Hello and welcome to the second episode of First Watch. This is an exclusive sort of side series of the Star Bros podcast where me, Jan Solo, and Ben Skywalker talk about uh, the coolest show in the galaxy, The Mandalorian. And now we're in Mandalorian season two, and today we're going to be talking about chapter 10, which is called The Passenger. So dude, what did you think? Yeah, I like this one. I know a lot of people were saying right after it was done, like, okay, that felt a little bit like a filler episode. And I and I like to remind people that it's a TV show that, uh, you know, this is actually a condensed TV show with only eight episodes. So uh, every filler episode is really meaningful and you don't have as many of them. So make sure to look for the significance in it because it will come back around. So I really liked it. I, I didn't really feel like it was a throwaway as some people might think it is. It really is going to have some meaning further down the line. And then just Otherwise, it's just watching Favreau and Peyton Reed play with their action figures a little bit more and talking about Star Wars, right? Like, so it's, it's yeah. fun to get this, this this mini story. What about you? Yeah, I, so I, I get it. And, and by the way, guys, this is an, this is a show where we are giving our first reaction. So we we watched the we both watched the show um, at separate times yesterday, and you know we haven't had all that much time to sort of dissect it and and intellectualize it or anything. So we're we're kind of shooting from the hip here. So. That said, those types of reactions, I think, are totally valid. When people go, gosh, it kind of felt like a filler episode, that's fine. Uh, I think with time, we will see where the episode is really going to take us. I think a lot of folks have gone back to season one and looked at chapter four, Sanctuary, where we meet Cara Dune and we're sort of on this uh, agrarian world where uh, you know, people are harvesting the, the, the blue shrimp and, you know, there's a, there's a problem and it, and it kind of looks like what a lot of people called a Mando side quest, where it's not really the main story, but it's kind of uh, an entertaining uh, step aside from the main story and they have a little adventure and then they get back to the main story. But in that first season, we got Cara Dune from that. Uh, we got different dimensions of the Mandalorian. Um, we see him you know, making decisions that are in the best interest of the child, even though they're really painful, things like that. So I think we're going to look back on this one and go, gosh, it really set up a lot of important stuff for the rest of season two. Maybe in, even for the next episode, we might see like, wow, Frog Lady is super important. If we didn't have Frog Lady, then we wouldn't have blank. I, I think it's going somewhere, but I get why people called it filler in some cases, and that's okay. But, but just make sure that doesn't impact your enjoyment of it. You know, not, it's not like every single episode has to have these really high stakes that if you, mm -hmm. uh, if you don't have it, it's not a good episode because that's not the case. I mean, if you, I'll look back at a different episode, which was uh, episode two from last year. And that was the one where we're introduced to, to the Jawas. They ransack his ship and steal all those parts mm -hmm. and he chases after him. And then he, to get them back, he has to fight the Mudhorn. Like that looked just like a fun little story to tell in the universe. And didn't seem like it had that much ramifications other than the fact that it revealed that the child has uh is force sensitive and yeah. is able to use it even at that young of an age to help other men learn it ended up having high stakes for the next episode where he then has to just decide should i save my enemy or not and it was all right. because of what happened in, in episode two so it will have more ramifications that we just haven't seen yet that is my prediction and big, big take I guess coming out, out of this episode just be patient and wait to see what happens but yeah let's dive into it so I know you really want to talk about this opening scene and I agree it's one of the it's it's such a fun one but it's also a bit of a tense one too yeah 
So the opening scene as a reminder is uh, of Mando on the speeder bike, really just zooming across the Tatooine landscape, just zooming across the desert. And it's kind of tense because it sounds like uh, his engine is revved up about as fast as it can go. Uh, you see the baby Yoda's ears kind of flapping along. And I don't know about you, I'm, I'm not a dad, but I, I wondered if you thought like, ah, oh, is that a good car seat for him? Or, you know, should he be wearing a helmet or something? It just seems like uh, they're inches above the ground and they're probably going 100 miles an hour. And a bunch of bounty hunters set this trap where they're going to pull this rope up, this sort of primitive, um, uh, I, I don't know, it's something you probably could have seen in an actual Western years ago. This, this kind of really rudimentary, we're going to cover the rope in sand and pull it up and then clothesline you off of your speeder bike. Um, but the thing I was, I was thinking about was the, the episode opens with that. He's just gotten done slaying the, the crate dragon. He's bringing back his you know, big hunk of crate dragon meat. Um, and he's going to go back to uh, Mos Eisley and, and look for another lead. But these guys know they've set a trap, which to me makes me think like, were they lurking around in, the, in, in, in chapter nine, the marshal? Were they sort of in the background watching from a distance and biding their time for the right moment to sort of pounce and, and trap him? And I, I kind of want to go back to chapter nine and see, uh, are these guys in the background anywhere in, in, mm. in chapter nine? Uh, I doubt they are, but you never know. Um, yeah, then he has this run in. Uh, he kind of takes care of these like four or five guys fairly quickly. And some of it's a little bit silly and funny, but there is this really tense moment where one of the bounty hunters, uh, when all the other ones are sort of knocked to the ground or knocked unconscious or killed, uh, has the baby Yoda. This little, this little dude has a knife to the baby Yoda's neck. And, and that, that interaction is kind of funny with how he gets rid of him because he wants the jetpack, and who doesn't? I want the jetpack. the jetpack's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but he, he decides to do the handoff. This, this little dude realizes like, okay, I'm probably not gonna be able to get away in one piece if I really push my limits here. So I'll just trade the, the child for the jetpack, and then Mando shoots the, the bad guy off into the air while he's holding the jetpack and lets him crash to the ground and then gives this little shrug of like, eh, what else is I gonna do? And the um, child gives him a glance like, really? You did that? Yeah, that, that was kind of cool. What you did. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, but, what? He had a knife to you. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but yeah, the other thing I thought about that scene was uh, I, I wonder if the, the best and sharpest uh, bounty hunters in the galaxy have realized that Mando is a challenge not worth taking on. Because this was sort of Keystone Cops to me where they're kind of running into each other and they're, they have this, this kind of goofy uh, really rudimentary trap that they set up that, that works. They, they catch him off guard, but uh, yeah, he tumbles a little bit, but then lands on his feet and then he's ready to fight. Like he's not somebody you can really get the jump on. So I wonder yep. if the less experienced um, and slightly bolder bounty hunters are going after him at this point because he makes it look like easy work, but then yeah. he's got to carry all this stuff. Yeah. After that, you're right. And, may, and maybe that's where Boba Fett comes back and maybe he's the one that can, mm -hmm tango with him um and yeah. actually put up a good fight but you're right i think these are the whole purpose of the scene was to remind the stakes that have been set since the beginning that he's on the run that there are people that want to get not only his armor and the value that is attached to the best car but mm -hmm. the child as well and the bounty that's on him so yep there's a lot of reason why he still has to fear uh 
and look over his shoulder a bit and make sure that nobody's coming after him. You can't let your guard down. That was the purpose of the scene. It was also yeah. comedic and fun, but it was it, it was really to remind you of those stakes that were set in season one. So, uh, but at the same time, uh, it was really fun to see you know the Mandalorian just go to town on a couple more guys and show yep. him how he can handle this this difficult situation that he's been put in and then right yeah. after that we go over to the cantina a place that we're all familiar with and we walk into the cantina and there's pelimoto playing a game of sabacc with uh, a guy that's called dr mandible and this i laughed at because <laughs> i didn't know that peyton reed had directed this but as soon as i saw peyton's reed at the very end uh, pop up on the screen i went hey that's ant-man that was an ant-man nod <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I wouldn't have known that if it wasn't for you um but yeah i saw somebody online wrote uh apparently the director has a lot of experience with ants of different sizes and i was like what does that mean yeah <laughs> and then you he told does. me well then he's the ant-man guy which is really cool yeah it was fun to see that he got a little uh nod to himself and some other work that he's done that we know him for and peyton reed's just a funny comedic kind of director like this this is uh very up his alley i think in terms of an episode mm -hmm. uh so and it's nice to say like Favreau is too. Favreau's kind of coming over from the MCU as well. So these are two guys that are MCU bred and now coming into one of their favorite places in Star Wars and getting a chance to do some fun stuff. That, so. That's a good point. I didn't, I didn't even think of that. That yeah, they're both MCU alumni. So very cool. But yeah, one, one of the things I thought was kind of cool about a couple of different things that happen in short succession here is uh, you know Doctor Mandible wants to play another hand of poker. Pelimoto says, hey, he's on a hot streak, but you know, he needs somebody <laughs> to fund his next hand. Um, he, he agrees to do it because he's out of leads. He doesn't have another lead to find the Mandalorians. Um, and, and apparently Dr. Mandible, which by the way, I don't know what he's a doctor of. I, that kept jumping, <laughs> jumping out at me. Like, why are we addressing him by that title? What is his degree in? Um, <laughs> but Dr. Mandible says, I've got a lead for you, but if you fund my hand, like if you fund my hand, I'll, I'll give it to you. He does. Dr. Mandible loses the hand, but he makes good on the deal. He still tells him something that's useful to him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, that was such an interesting just exchange with Amy Sedaris, who was just, you know, playing herself basically and yep. being comedic and, and funny as ever. Uh, it, yeah. And it's by a the great, way, great scene. It's, it's nice to know that all these years later, there's still interesting stuff happening in the cantina. It's still a cool place to Oh, totally. Out. I love that too. I agree. And, and it's it's a little bit uh, quieter than it used to be, but it's still a, yeah. a gathering spot. Yeah. yeah. Um, zoom forward a little bit. Let's go to now we meet the passenger. And yeah. this whole episode is based off of this exchange between the Mandalorian and the passenger, two people who can't understand each other yeah. and at the same time have to work together Mm -hmm. to arrive at something that's uh in, you know of interest to both of them and that's mm -hmm. uh, getting to a place that she needs to get to to find her husband and where he needs to get to to find his covert yep and and you know what i loved right off the bat you could probably guess but um i loved that uh frog lady or frog mom as some people are calling her uh <laughs> was a mix of practical effects and then a little bit of special effects uh, yep at different spots like when she's you know galloping and running from the ice cave later but um i i love that favreau and team continue their commitment to practical effects and having as much practical effects as oh, possible yeah. like baby yoda's uh you know he's physically there on set most of the time 
know, there are moments where they do little things with him, but for the most part, uh, they've continued to say, there's just something special about practical effects and we're going to keep doing them, which I love. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I agree with that too. And I, I thought of it more because I, I saw some of that too. I mean, I was thinking more in terms of just the story and the juxtaposition of the Mandalorian with this passenger that we're, we're getting to know a little bit more about as the time goes on. And we find that they're both kind of the last of their kind. And this mm-hmm. is a last ditch effort to really reunite and, uh, you know, with those that can, can help grow their kind again and mm-hmm. take place. And, and then you also have the X-Wings and juxtaposing it back to that, the New Republic. These are all, uh, you know, the Mandalorian, her race and the New Republic mm-hmm. hanging by a thread at this yeah. time, all because of the Empire. And yep. what the Empire has done to groups of people like this. And yep. to see the kind of the chaos that has come because of it, the desperation that has come, uh, this is really an episode about those three parties coming together and supporting each other, not realizing how much they might need each other, actually. Yeah. Uh, but but luckily landing on a good side where, you know, the passenger and Mandalorian are working together as much as possible. And the X-Wing yep. later on come in and, and they save the day and they kind of tell them, I, I love the, the idea of like, this is basically the equivalent of the policeman telling you to fix your headlight after pulling mm-hmm. you over. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Founds out you got all of these parking tickets and just says, you know what, just fix your headlight. We'll, we'll, fix this and we'll, we'll take care of everything else like yep. um and and they end up on on the right page with each other so and that'll yeah. come back i think that'll come back in some way yeah I, I think that um when the razor crest takes off which by the way to go back a step before that i thought i thought it was really interesting that uh pelimoto gives mando the information and says that hey this this uh person this potential client of yours is trying to get to this destination where there are more Mandalorians. Yeah. He could have at that point said, oh, well, the whole deal is that I have to travel sublate and that's the most dangerous way to travel. It's not worth it. I've got the information I need. I'm taking off. But they're all on the same journey. They all have different destinations, but they're all on the same journey. We're trying to find uh, the child's uh, like kind. And uh, one, of our, one of our bros from Baraxium was saying this week, and you know, it had not hit me till this point, they're looking for the child's uh, kind, but I don't know if they're if they mean they're looking for force sensitive uh, people, if they're looking for actual Jedi, or if they're looking for whatever species he is. Yeah. Um, the the Mandalorian is on a journey where he is looking, and 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 that is ultimately to get him in the right spot and and you know continue whatever his species is, or continue the force sensitive, or continue the Jedi. The Mandalorian is on the search for his people. And Frog Lady's on the search for her husband, for her family, for her people's sake. So they're all, they all have different destinations, but they're on the same journey, which I think so on some level Mando goes, all right, Frog Lady, get on the Razor Crest. We're going to go. We're going to find a way to do this, um, which I think is, you know, an honorable thing. He could have said, thanks for the info. I'm out. But he didn't. Yeah. No, that's true. And, and I think it's because there's no other way that she can get sub light across the galaxy to where she needs to be without somebody yeah. who can protect her along the path. She needs someone like Mando. Uh, yeah. It's not just any ship that can take her. It's not any, any uh, pilot that can take her. It needs to be one who can fend for himself and, def- and defend themselves if they run into trouble, which they do. Right. They sure do. 
and they they run into trouble in the form of a couple of X One pilots. Uh, one of them is played by uh, Dave Filoni, who um, who goes by Trapper Wolf in The Mandalorian. Yeah, and uh, and and his sidekick, and I and I apologize, I can't remember that actor's name, but uh, he is a recognizable actor. Apparently, he's on a, a show called Kim's Convenience. And a lot of people went berserk, apparently. Um, and Ben, your wife sent us a text message this morning saying a lot of people were noticing that and going berserk, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I want to point out about that is that uh, uh, just a second or two of that was in the this season's trailer. And obviously people dissected every part of this season's trailer. And one of the things that you see for a split second is the sort of dome-shaped head of an R2 unit with uh, and it's sort of silver and blue or, or you know white and blue and it matches uh, roughly R two D 2s colors. We don't know if it's him. It's probably not him. It might just be a little bit of a deflection, but it was enough to send some people into a frenzy. So we get another look at that. We don't get any answers about that. Yeah. But wh where they end up going, uh, and and this struck me as we were preparing for the conversation. So he's coming from Tatooine, which is a hot desert planet. They go to an icy planet, which we don't know the name of, but some people speculate the name of. I, I think according to what we've seen in the trailer, because a lot of people are now matching up the egg canister to a spot in the trailer that seems to be on this water planet where uh, Mando and uh, the baby Yoda and the hover pram get on that boat and where we see Sasha Banks and so on. So it seems like we're going from fire to ice to water, which makes me think, there will be a rendezvous with Boba Fett on Bespin at some point because we have to go fire, ice, water, air if we're going to hit all the elements in season two. Just <laughs> my speculation. Okay. Interesting speculation. <laughs> um, I think that's a hot take that we will find out if... if that is uh, a hot take. That, that's a conspiracy <laughs> theory almost. Like, <laughs> I, I will... Let's move on. I will not uh, say no to any of it, but I will... <laughs> wait to see what they have in store in that front um, okay well there's, and there's there's one more thing that i wanted to make sure we talked about which was the child again in this one it feels oh, like in, in chapter nine we didn't really get too much of him he was there in the background he occasionally got called out to and had a cute moment here and there but he wasn't mm -hmm. the focus he didn't have much role to play in this one he did he, he did get a little bit more of that time and there was a dynamic, uh, father-son dynamic, which was emphasized in this one more than you've seen in any of the episodes in the past. Uh, so you've kind of seen how their relationship has evolved. You get the cute moments where he kind of cuddles up next to Mando and, and where he looks to him to save him and kind of, you know, waddles over to him at some point and stuff like there's just... Yeah, and, and, and he gets Mando's attention and says, uh, you know, in his way, kind of pointing and gesturing, hey, Frog Lady wandered off into that ice cave. Yeah. And Mando yeah. would have not have noticed if it wasn't for that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's very true. I didn't pick up on that. Um, but he's also getting into so much trouble, like eating all those eggs. Like he's, he's basically con committing genocide, you know? I'm like, what are you doing, kid? <laughs> um, yeah, he'll, he'll eat anything. It's pretty disgusting. It, it is, you know? <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, come on, Mando. Why aren't you feeding this boy? Like, don't you see he's right. hungry? Uh, Get him some bone broth or whatever it was that he ate in the Sanctuary episode. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> The, the other thing that um, is really nice to think about uh, the child in this episode is we get a little bit of new music that we haven't heard, or at least I don't think we've heard in the first season. I, I don't think I heard it in chapter nine, 
but when he first kind of gets alone with the, the tank full of the eggs, um, and he has this mischievous moment where he looks over his shoulder to make sure that they don't see him. And he puts his hands up on the tank and then you can see that the eggs start floating towards him. And there's like a theme, there's, there's some music in there that I think we're gonna hear again at some point that is uh, reminding me a little bit of like Stranger Things music, but I think it's like the first piece of uh, really unique uh, Ludwig Gorenson music that maybe we've heard yet this season. I hope there's a ton more to come. I'm hoping that they keep, I keep hoping that they're gonna put it on Spotify because last year I've told you before, um, I've mentioned on the podcast, I love listening to the music every week. They'd release the the new tracks for the new chapter. And they haven't done that yet this year, but mm. um, I'm, I'm holding out hope that they will. Yeah, let's, let's hope they start because there's some good music I'd love to go back and listen to. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess the last place where we need to go is the big question. And I'm curious what you think the big question is leading into the rest of this uh, season into the next episode what does this episode leave you with in terms of the big question well well real quick I, I think you know we do need to mention um the the crazy ice spiders and, oh yeah gosh um, you're right and and the conflict that they have with them I think this too kind of makes it feel like a side quest like a Dungeons and Dragons side quest of like your you know your carriage breaks down and now there's a cave and do you go in and yes you go in and oh my gosh giant spiders yeah um but uh it, it's really creepy. Uh, I've talked to a couple of people who are like, cool episode, can't ever watch it again. Like the, <laughs> the spiders are just too much for me. Um, yeah, and, and I was telling you, like it reminded me of a, a unfortunate run-in I had with a colleague at work once where a uh, newer guy, he was you know trying to establish himself on the team. He was newer to the company and things like that too. And came into my cubicle back in the day when we were able to go in and there was a little spider in my cubicle. And now, you know, each his own. Some people would say, just ignore it. And some people are like, ah, spider, kill it. And mm-hmm. it's just like the natural reaction. And his was the kill it kind of reaction. <laughs> It's it's fair. So he comes in, he says, Hey, good morning, Ben. How are you? And then he see, looks down, he's like, Spider. And he just stomps on it. And as soon as mm-hmm. he does, all these tiny little spiders come out of the, the mom spider. And it's like, it was pregnant. It was the freakiest thing I think I've ever seen. It's like, Well, that's, I, I will never be able to unsee that. And then, and then you and him ran back to the razor crest and tried to take off. Basically, yeah. And the mom resurrected itself in a zombie-like fashion. And in fact, that's, yeah, anyway. Um, but no, that did not happen. But yeah, no, that, that, I mean, it, it's a crazy scene. Um, I'm jumping around a little bit. But again, guys, this is first watch. This is the Star Bros just reacting to uh, the, the latest episode of The Mandalorian. So, uh, you know, it's not quite as scripted as maybe our, our podcast is. But um I love wait, wait, wait. When, that's not scripted at all either. What are you talking about? It's not. It's not scripted, but we do. A, a, we do quite a bit of planning. Yeah. Um, but one one of my favorite scenes, I think, of the whole series so far, is when Frog Lady is basically they've crashed on this ice planet. Um, things are looking pretty dire. Uh, Frog Lady is is kind of she's croaking in her language and trying to uh, basically implore the Mandalorian, like, please, we got to do something, like. Uh, I got to get there by the equinox or whatever they were saying. Uh, and the Mandalorian says, the deal's off. We're lucky if we'll survive the night. Everybody just sort of lay down and, and, and rest. And th- that's, that's when uh, she wraps the egg canister in a blanket. Baby Yoda sort of nuzzles up to Mando and goes to sleep. And then they wake up with the sound of Zero's voice. 
mm-hmm. and, and Zira's decapitated head is hanging from the wall. And she basically uses Zero's vocabulator, I think I have that right, to talk to him because they don't speak the same language. He asked her, you know, do you speak this language, that language, asked her four, five or six languages, and they're from different corners of the galaxy and they didn't have a common language. And then she confronts him with Zero's voice through his vocabulator and basically says, you know, I, I expected a Mandalorian to keep his deal, but maybe those are just the stories and maybe they're not true or something. Yeah. So she, she appeals to um, a higher, his higher sense of self and his, his sense of uh, duty and honor to being a Mandalorian and it works. And he gets up and, and starts working. Then we get into the whole thing with the, the spiders, which is a you know, crazy action scene. But she has another terrific moment when they are running back to the ship. The ship is sort of torn open at the side from the crash and they get into the cockpit and uh, Mando's trying to close the door and he's sort of shooting through the crack in the door and the spiders just keep coming and coming and coming. One of them lands on the baby Yoda's head and the baby Yoda with the stubby little T-Rex arms can't reach it. And she starts blasting, she pulls out her blaster and she sort of saves the day uh, by getting involved in the fight. And I think at that moment, her, her and Mando are probably um, sort of like he had with Cobb Vanth. He realizes, okay, I can rely on this person. They're good in a tough situation. Uh, together, we can probably get through uh, whatever tough situation is going to be next. So I, yeah. I thought that that was pretty cool where it wasn't just like, she's not the, just the passenger anymore. She's uh, helping to keep them alive. They're helping to keep her alive and they're working together. Yeah, there's a mutual benefit that's been struck and they know that the only way out of this situation that they're in, which is quite precarious, is mm-hmm. together. And they have yeah. to work together to, uh, to eventually get to their destination. And, and, and it's funny because then you had that, the, the big spider come and crash down on the uh, mm-hmm. Razor Crest and it starts like puncturing holes in it. You're basically like, well, all hope is lost. And then the X-Wings yeah. come in. So now it's this trifecta of supporting one another and mm-hmm. yeah you know it's it's like there there are these groups again back to my earlier point these groups in the galaxy that are hanging by a thread and mm-hmm. that re- start to realize like they need as many of the good guys on each other's side as possible so mm-hmm. you know that that's really what this is to, to me about it's like groups coming together that might be at, yes and might have different goals might have different uh, desires and and needs and even levels of uh you know what's the word i look for maybe levels of morality i I don't know yeah Uh, and they realize that they kind of need each other that there's anything good within them if they're good people at heart that yeah they are their chance of winning is bonding together not fighting with each other yeah yeah it's 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 a moment where um uh, people have to become allies to face a, a threat. But uh, yeah. But hey, how about this? I want to mention uh, two more things about Frog Mom uh, or, or Frog Lady. And then why don't you hit us with a big question? Okay, sure. Okay. So uh, I just, Ben and I are big fans of uh, the people that actually put a ton of work into these movies. You know, we love the stories and, and things like that, but we respect that there are people behind the scenes who make these things happen. And um Ben could tell you, we every movie that we've gone to see, every Star Wars movie we've gone to see, we stay until the very end of the credits and we look at all the names and all the different jobs that had to be done to put that thing on the screen. 
And so from time to time, we like to give folks a shout out who are working on these things. And I thought it was pretty cool that uh, uh, Frog Lady uh, was physically played by Misty Rosas and uh, the voice was done by D. Bradley Baker. So Misty, we will remember as Queel, and I bet you she's gonna play other people in the series. And D. Bradley Baker, uh, if you go and look at his Wikipedia page, it just goes on and on and on. This is somebody who has been in Clone Wars, somebody who's been in Rebels. Uh, he's been in the video games, like most recently Jedi Fallen Order, which is an awesome game. Um, he has been in uh, the sequel trilogy doing voices. So uh, just a couple of really terrific actors uh, bringing that character to life. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And it's cool that they kind of keep the same people. I, I just think they don't bring them in, have them do a job and be like, yeah, you, you made your, your mark in Star Wars. Goodbye. Yeah. They kind of stick around and keep doing other things, you know, and, yeah, and it's so great cool. for them because they get to stay employed. <laughs> but yeah. they also get to stay employed in the galaxy that they love. Yes, absolutely. So, dude, hit us with the big question of this episode. Yeah. So I think the big one is, is the passenger worth this trip? Mm. He's gone sublight. He's gotten his razor's crest half destroyed, and it's limping along through the galaxy now, and it's barely going to come into the port alive at this point. But is it going to pay off? Will he find more from the covert? And yeah. will he eventually get to where he needs to be? Will the passenger get to where she needs to be uh, with her and finding her husband? Uh, I think it's safe to say that she will, but is it going to be worth it for the Mandalorian at the end of the day? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it has to, because if this just ends in another dead end, the audience is going to be like, what? <laughs> okay, where are we going next? And we only have five more episodes of the season. Like what, what? And so it seems like it has to, but it's the question is how much will it be worth it to have yeah. all these things, you know, the, the, the spiders attacking you and the razor crest has this right. Uh, to, to have all those things happen to you like there's got to be a payoff that's worth all that yeah yeah no it's 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 a desperation move i think for all of them uh you know frog lady is desperate the new republic is desperate mando's desperate so uh yeah it's 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 a big gamble um and yeah i, th I feel like at this point i could probably if you put it in front of me i could probably put the razor crest together myself i feel like we've seen it torn apart so many times and reassembled um <laughs> But hey, I think that that probably concludes uh, this week's episode of First Watch. Again, uh, we we are going to be bringing you our first reactions, the Star Bros first reactions to every new chapter of The Mandalorian throughout season two. Uh, after this week, we got some news. We're going to be exclusively posting this content on YouTube. Uh, we will still be doing our podcast. Uh, we'll be recording this Wednesday, in fact. So if you want to go a little bit more in depth, you know, typically our podcasts uh, run a, a while longer. We cover other news. We go uh, deeper into uh, whatever the topic is that we're covering at that point. But here, we're just going to keep reacting and, and sort of just uh, swooning as fans do over what we think is the coolest show in the galaxy. So if you're enjoying it, uh, leave a comment uh, on, on, on the YouTube videos or reach out to us uh, on, on Twitter at Star Bros Podcast. Uh, we have a Facebook page. You can send us an email at thestarbrospodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I always almost forget to mention, we're part of the Broaxium network of awesome Star Wars content. So uh, check out Broaxium. Their YouTube page is amazing. Uh, they've got a lot of cool stuff on Star Wars comics and so on. And all together, there's a ton of just really fun, satisfying, uh, lighthearted, no drama, no clickbait Star Wars content out there for you guys. Yep. 
And uh, that's, I'm glad you made that plug because, uh, like we said, we're just going to put this on YouTube and it'll be on the Broaxiums channel. So that's where you'll be able to find this moving forward. Uh, thank you for joining us. We're, we're glad that you uh, enjoyed the episode, hopefully, and uh, look forward to hearing your reactions and thoughts about it as well in the coming days. So uh, just always remember, this is the way. This is the way. <laughs>